How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I just got out of the bath. I'm so hot. You got out of the bath? Yeah. It's amazing how many episodes uh, feature your bathing um, techniques. I think people need to know how important matey bubble bath is in my life. <laughs> what kind of bubble bath is it? Matey. Uh, so matey, matey bubble bath. That's, uh, <laughs> have you gone, like, have you, how many brands of bubble bath have you tried in your life? Oh, I, I wouldn't even begin to, to know how to count that figure. But what I can tell you is nothing has rivaled matey for the sheer number of bubbles. Is it just, it's, it's bubblicious? It's, it's beyond it. It's like, it, yeah, it's just amazing. Do you think they're a sponsor? Should we turn them into a sponsor? If matey wanted to sponsor us, I would be so happy. Not as happy as Bob, who also likes a matey bubble. I, I wonder if we could pursue matey, if we could uh, generate some kind of, you know, ground swell of, of people just demanding that matey sponsors uh, midlifing. It's a win-win. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's probably more like a win-lose. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think they're the losers. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. Uh, Lil and I were um, talking about Desert Island meals this morning. Nice. What are you taking? Actually, we, know, we had this slight argument, or not an argument, but a uh, conversation about whether they should be called Desert Island meals or um, Death Row meals. Oh, I think Desert Island is a little bit cheerier because I think Death Row, not so much. <laughs> it, it's true. but um, So, yeah, it's because I was eating some toast and uh, marmalade. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, you know what? I might switch from pasta bake to marmalade on toast as your desert island meal exactly and it occurred to me that when i was thinking about making bread and i was thinking or anything that you were to do that there is going to be a time in my life uh, that it will be the last loaf of bread i ever make right and i was yeah. wondering and, and we just asked each other would you prefer to know that something was your last time or not know hmm. i think it would entirely depend on the thing wouldn't it oh really so oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I would love to know that this is the last time I have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> what about making love? Oh, I wouldn't want to know that. You wouldn't want to know? Yeah. No. So if it's a good no. thing, you don't want to know. And if it's a bad thing, yeah. you do want to know. Yeah, I, I would never want to know if this is my last pizza. I wouldn't want to know if this is my last episode of... Midlifing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This could be, you know. This could be the end. Is that because you have so little faith in, in what I'm going to pitch at us today that you're thinking, this, this could be the thing it's that actually, finally um, kills us? <laughs> the, uh, I love that, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah, because that does make me the camel in that particular uh, metaphor, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. It does. And I, I've always thought of you as a camel. Two humps, maybe. Are camels ungulates? I can't remember. I don't know. I'm I'm not an expert. Oh, you know, I'm going to have to duck, duck, go that, aren't I? The dromedary, also called the Arabian camel, is a large, <gasps> even-toed ungulate <gasps> of, there the, we are. of the genus Camelus, oh. with one hump on its back. Have you ever been on a camel? I've never been on a camel. Haven't you? They spit a lot, don't they? They're spitters. The one that I was on was not a spitter. 
I was I was on a camel in Egypt near the. Uh, it couldn't be more of a cliche. I was on a camel in Egypt, just by the pyramids of Giza. <laughs> I was wearing one of those uh, nice hats. Um, I wasn't. Um, I actually was wearing a nice hat. It was a bucket hat to keep the sun off my head. Um, and they get up with their bottoms first. And it, there's this terrifying moment of kind of the precipitous lean where you just think... This is going to be my last camel ride. Well, that was my last camel ride. It was my first and last. There's nothing that is going to compel me to get on one again. Really? You think that's not going to happen in your life? Well, I've done it, you know. I think we should. Uh, we could have an entire episode of Midlifing on things we will never do again. And also another episode on things we will never do, full stop. Parachuting. Never going to happen? Fuck no. Can you imagine anything more ridiculous? <laughs> I mean, seriously, throwing yourself out voluntarily from a moving object high in the sky wearing only a little bit of fabric. I mean, come on. From camels to parachuting. You can't say that we don't cover the gamut. It's true. How are you, anyway? I was talking to uh, an undertaker yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I so want to know why you were talking to well, oh, oh no, it's somebody, it's a friend It's somebody I know, it's not, I wasn't you know, This was not a professional conversation You've got we a were, friend who's an undertaker I'm never really sure how to qualify what a friend is Do you have this trouble? Is this today's topic? No, because it's not I, I, I struggle to know who I just said I have a friend who is dot 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 I'm not sure if he is my friend. You mean you don't know what he thinks of you? No, that I don't mean I don't mean that at all. He's really nice, he's really pleasant. I see each other quite regularly. We've been out socially. Oh. But I don't I don't know what the threshold. Do you have his phone number? No, I don't have his phone number. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's a little bit like um when you asked the question many episodes ago about if it's too early to have a, a glass of wine. So if I'm asking, is he my friend, then he probably isn't. Yeah, well, then unless you have an unusually high threshold for friendship. Do you think you have an unusually high threshold for friendship? Yes, I think I might do. Oh. I think I might do, because I think for... You mean more than I average? Just in that moment, caught myself going, ooh, what qualifies as a friend? How long do you have to have known somebody? How intimate do you have to be with them? Because I like this person. I know things about this person. I always enjoy my interactions with him. I guess that's a friend. I think he's. I think he. He. I think he's definitely a friend. Okay, cool. Yeah. Then in that case, I've got a friend who's an undertaker. That I, was pretty much the end of that. Yeah. Which is but, which is still cool. It's still cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool. And he was reminding me of the uh, the magazine, the Fourteen Times. So wait on, just just to back up a little bit. So when mm. you said I've got a friend who's an undertaker, it's so it's so interesting in my imagination when I think of you talking about a friend, or when I think of people talking about a friend, I think of a young person. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's not like I thought. Oh, you've got a seventy-year-old friend who's an undertaker. Oh, that is interesting. He's not seventy. He's older than me, but not much. So, so he's in his fifties. Yeah, I guess he might he might have just crested that wave. I guess. I think he has. Yeah, it's not a wave, man. Does. Let me tell you, it's not a wave. <laughs> he's pi- he's waded through that. Pi- oh, okay, well. yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's um, thicker than a wave, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not in his seventies, but he is. He isn't a young person. Yeah, he's right. not seventeen. Oh, I don't know so if there strange. are seventeen-year-old undertakers. I also think of undertakers because of that show, Six Feet Under. You know, all those yeah. years ago, and I just think of them as young men. Really, he's not that kind of undertaker. So he's one of those cool undertakers that you know. Um, there's like humanist services and people who get buried in woods and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, right on the edge of my expertise here, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what when you when you imagine an undertaker, you're imagining somebody in a black suit with a black tie and a very sort of dour 
sort of uh, demeanor. Demeanor. They're the designated mourner. They're designed to look sad. Yeah, he's he's none of those things. He is uh, bearded, bald, bespectacled. Quite, I've always found him to be very chipper, and um, but not inappropriately so. Not like you, not yeah, not inappropriately so. <laughs> You're about to I say not like you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, but I, yeah. <laughs> I went to a service that he, I was going to say presided over, but I don't know what the, what the right words are. And it was over ten years ago now, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was a, a um, it was obviously it was terribly sad. Um, and there was this just huge circle of people in a woods, and they all had a story of it. Oh. He just he did this. I guess I'm trying not to say cool because I don't want it to sound like it's arch in any way because it's really not. It's just celebratory and gorgeous. Yeah. It's unconventional though. Clearly, it is unconventional. I think that's that's safe to say. And what's the it's name really of his? Uh, he could be the second sponsor for today. The first sponsor being um... uh, it's called the Green Funeral Company. In case you wanted to know, if oh, his uh... his company is. Oh, I love Green... that. The Green Funeral Company, and so, so uh, funeral can be a reflection and celebration of life as well as an acknowledgement of a loss. And uh, we believe in helping and supporting families in choosing a funeral that is most in keeping with the person who died. That's oh. their, that's oh. their, you know, that, the opening paragraph on their website. And you kind of think, why is that not a standard approach? It is beautiful. It is, does sound beautiful. It's fascinating. It is really fascinating. So clearly, when you die and when you get added to your, as you say, your um, mother's spreadsheet. Um, mm-hmm. This is the kind of funeral. So, do we go back? Do you, do you want we... <laughs> to? We're quite a long way into a conversation, and none of this is what I was going to talk to. I'm you about so today. sorry. I think I'm no, totally responsible I'm for sorry. that. So, my question was about fandom. Fandom. Yeah, I've been thinking a bit about fandom this week, and I've been trying to decide if I've ever been in a fandom. And what's the difference between being a fan of something and being in a fandom? Because, I mean, you've got sport that you can draw on. That is a curious subject. I don't, it's, uh, the thing that came to mind, certainly whilst I was um, recognising that my jaw, my mouth was open thinking, I have nothing to say about this thing, was that um, when I was, you know, you know, I played a lot of tennis and I was a, I was, I belonged to a fan club. Did and in, you? Yeah, in those days, this would have been, let's say, 79, 1980. In those days, a fan club meant writing, sending a check and getting an update maybe four times a year. And I was the I was in the fan club of a tennis player called Hannah Mandlikova, a Czech tennis player, just a beautiful tennis player. How she played the game was mm. um, exquisite. She just had this manner of playing. You know, I found these things not so long ago. I found these funny little letters that were, um, or little newsletters that were sent out to members of the Hannah, the, the Hannah, I guess it is really, the Hannah Mandlikova um, fan club. But I remember it being a bit of a, you know, it was, as, as you can imagine, a bit of a faff to organise a check. And I think it was in, would have been in pounds sterling. So to, mm. to organise a check in pounds and I don't know why I was sending a check in pounds for a, to a check. Well, that's a bit confusing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to spell things. You were sending a C-H-E-Q-U-E. Yes, to a C-Z-E-C-H. Oh, for our American listeners, a C-H-E-C-K. To a C-Z-E-C-H. Wowzers. What a lot of letters, all for the same noises. And also, if you're a non-native English speaker listening, because we do have a few of those, you'd be thinking, what the hell is going on here? 
So, yeah, I don't. And the funny thing is, I didn't have the same feelings, I should say, towards Hanna Manlikova in terms of my how, how much I was invested in her winning or losing than I did, say, Bjorn Borg. OK, so why were you in her fan club and not Bjorn Borg's fan club? I have no idea. The only thing that comes to mind is that it was about the way she played. Right. That there was right. something about her the, her, the manner of a game, which seemed to be more like the way I played. So, yeah, I've definitely felt those things that you're talking about, which is to be so invested in something that a lot of your waking time is spent thinking about it, of getting nervous for potentially weeks before a big game, almost being the point of not being able to watch it, really dreading what's going on. And, yeah, it's, uh, that's, those are, those are for anyone who's been a fan of any, particularly sport, because, yeah. of course, the outcomes are not known, it's a very strange phenomenon. I really, really, it's re I don't like it, but I also have an experience and continue to experience it. So is it something that you still feel in your body? Because I am, I'm wired differently in the sense that I have never in my life cheered for, booed for any sporting fixture. I have no... So you've never, you've never, something's happened on a screen and you've gone, fuck off, you fucking piece of shit like that. Never, never, because I, uh, I've, I've never been invested in anything happening like that. Yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't treat the opposing team and what's going on with curiosity. See, now, here's an interesting thing. Everything that you've heard about my dad would make you think he would probably be very keen to go, you shower of shit, get off the yeah. pitch. Yeah. 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 He has never supported a football club in his entire life. It is amazing that he missed and that. He has... You know, he is a man who was the captain of his football team at school. He boxed for his school. He, so he's an he athlete. Cricket. Oh, he is absolutely, and still is really, you know, a, a very physically capable man. Yeah. Um, who turns 80 in April and, you know, st still looks, you know, looks good, keeps himself in, in fairly good, good shape. Yeah. yeah, good Nick. When I watch him watch football, which I've seen many times over the course of my life, watched my dad watch football he gets invested in the game he doesn't get invested in the team mm. so obviously he wants his in in inverted commas team to win but his team is contextual so if he's watching um let's say it's like a world cup kind of thing yeah if he's watching england play another country he wants england to win he does but then he will yeah, ex exactly that. But, but not then, to the point where he's. It's not like he's losing sleep over the. God oh, no. Yeah. Over no, the day. no. 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 Yeah. No. 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 Not at all. And then he will very happily go. Oh, you know, Gareth Southgate. <laughs> I think my references might be really out of <laughs> a bit out of date. Gareth Southgate should never have kicked the ball in that way. Yeah, I think Gareth Southgate is now the manager, so he doesn't do any ball kicking. Yeah, I know, but I'm thinking about a conversation I have had at some point in my life with my dad. Yeah, rather really, than a I reason. think it was the 80s, maybe, or the no, the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, anyway, there you whatever. go. But he's not. Um, he he he's able to he's able to step into a critical space even in the moments that he's watching things, and it's I've, I've I, so I think when I've seen other people be invested in sport, I've found it doubly disconcerting because my dad will watch anything on a pitch. You know, he will watch. Yeah, any form of sport. He will watch golf. He will watch snooker. I know that's not on a pitch; it's on a green table. But it just looks like it's just filmed from a really long way away. Um, yeah, he'll watch anything with balls and green stuff. 
and just like <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Muppet porn. But he will watch <laughs> <laughs> you watch it with headphones on or your mum have to listen. No, my mum has to listen because he will just yeah, he doesn't care. No. Oh, it was In it was almost like it was a pastime. He wasn't a fan. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I so when I see people get upset or get get invested in it i look at them and go oh i i've not had that not only do i not have that in my body because no interest in it so i don't feel it but i've also not i've not witnessed it in my home oh yeah and i um i have a i mean one of my strongest memories of it is a you know i wasn't 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 particularly young but i was uh, it was in 1995 um it was a world rugby world cup semi-final famous famous match between new zealand the all blacks as you call them and um <laughs> and i think you say all blacks Simon. nice nice and england Thanks. famous famous match it was famous because there was a guy who you might have heard of called jonah lomu have you ever heard of him didn't he have a didn't didn't he die he died he's dead he died like really uh, early yeah really was, really young yeah yeah he's on your mum's spreadsheet oh my god that's so sad because i remember being sad because he was too young to die yeah he very um he had liver problems. Uh, I think oh. that's right. But um, a very famous match. He was a young, young man. He would have been, oh, God, this I'm really, uh, I think he was 19. But he's huge and very fast. And this was at a time when rugby wasn't professional. And um, he he basically decimated the English team. And he scored a try in the very opening kind of part of the game. And a, a very famous try where he basically walks over I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who's never seen it like you Lee Me. he walks over this tiny little guy on the wing the English wing called I think it was Rory Underwood anyway it doesn't matter but as this was happening my father jumps up and goes send the bother boys back home like you know he was and I'd never heard the word bother yeah and and this of course is the coming from the man who's the son of a Scottish boilermaker, so his yeah. antipathy towards England was mm, acute. <laughs> and and but I but you know and that was not a that was a common experience for me to to witness and experience my father shouting at the television. Not not you know not always you know pleasure all sorts of things all sorts of emotions thrown hurled waved at the television. It's amazing how your identity gets stuck to that game. Like, I mean, I've, I remember losses, very particular losses, and still years after I can think about those losses. And just, just, it just makes me, it, I just feel, why? Why did that have to happen? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's strange Gosh. shit. So does that mean that you can understand when somebody walks away from the new Star Wars trilogy <laughs> and starts an online campaign to have it barred from the canon. Because it has a... Because it has an... disappointed them so much. Yeah. This is not who Luke Skywalker is. Yeah. That's not how he would... And because yeah. I just find myself going, well, a couple of points. One, he's pretend. Two, oh, sweetheart, you need to sit down and have a cup of tea mm. and a big chat with yourself because you are getting this upset. And, you know, obviously, I, I'm kind of... I'm trying not to be sucked into the kind of the um, 
the toxic notion of fandom where then people start to harass people online. Because I think famously Kelly Tran, who played Rose in the second... That's right. She really, the, she yeah, really got, she got knocked around, didn't she? Absolutely. And from How what I could dare understand... How they put, they put an Asian-looking person... And this, is, and, this is it. From what I could understand, the, the critique was that she wasn't pretty enough. She was too Asian. She was too female. How dare she, How dare she do something that knocked um, John Boyega's character off his hero's journey yeah. which is kind of like okay i the huh whether you agree or not with the character's decision in that moment kelly tran is an actor yeah you know her job is to stand there walk across there say yeah. some words because somebody's told her to do it yeah. there's a level stop of at the line being, deliver the words exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A, level a level of agency but not but a not high much. level right uh-huh. especially exactly. someone her level of acting it's not like she's you know tom cruise who's executive no. producing something and saying no i'm going to do it like this absolutely absolutely and john Boyega, i think has been very explicit in recent years after the end of him needing to do the kind of the uh publicity rounds for star wars to basically say you cast um, a man of colour in a central role and then you did not know what to do with him. Yes, that's And I right. think if you if you look at that film, any of those films, you can kind of go, that's a very fair critique. It's a very, very fair critique. That's got nothing to do with really what direction the story goes in in relationship to the Force or Star Wars, but just you've got a black guy that you don't know how to, you don't know how to write for him because you can't have him as a hero, apparently. <laughs> which, is, which is ultimately what, you know, but... All that I mean, there are lots of characters in that particular. They didn't really know what to do with that. Of oh, course, you know. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I can agree that there are missteps taken in storytelling, but I can say that about the first films that were made, you know, the ones in 1977, etc. Yeah. Except The Empire Strikes Back. I'd say that there were missteps there as well. <laughs> okay. I probably will get cancelled for that. <laughs> but... Trying to sort of sit outside of the, the kind of the toxic stuff, but just kind of think you you still having those moments of of remembering a game and going, why did yeah. that happen? Yeah, yeah. So does that help <clears throat> you understand somebody who says, how could you how could you do this to us? How or rather, how could you do that? Well, to I, do, I do think that you know the, the circumstances are very different, but I do think what we're talking about is is what it is that we identify with. We're talking about people's identities. That's the thing about them is that one person's um, Star Wars is another person's rugby, is another person's fashion, is another person's cheese or stamp collecting. And so there's nothing absurd about any of them. I think it's dangerous, well, not dangerous, but I think it's just a bit messy to try and trivialize someone else's interests, right? Or some, yeah. and, I, and again, we're talking about something stronger than an interest. I understand that. But certainly, uh, I, I think you could look at it from two, two perspectives. One, which I think is fascinating, which is, wow, isn't it incredible that we can become bound to something like Star Wars or like knitting that we can become that our identities can become bound to this point of thing where if something happens to that thing we feel as if something's being torn from us I want to just say first of all not sitting here trivializing not sitting here in judgment I'm asking kind of a an open question about that sense do you understand it because I'm not going god I don't understand it. what fucking idiots I'm going do you understand it because I, I don't understand it um because I I don't feel it I don't get angry or disappointed or want to belittle it because I also just want to sort of make a distinction for me about the difference between Star Wars and knitting. 
in the, and I know that you're just kind of you're talking there about things that that might define us, things that we well, that we get caught in. But I think there's a difference between being caught in knitting, or for me, yoga. So I, I got caught in yoga for a good few years. I, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I, I got you know properly, yeah, yeah. properly into it. So I did disappear down a, a particular type of rabbit hole, and I was absolutely defined by the idea of myself as a yogi but it feels to me different than being a fan of something because one is something that sits inside your body (laughs) as opposed to something which sits outside of you that you are invested in and defined by but it is not you and you have effectively no control that's it i think it's the yeah i think it's the bit about the lack of control i think there's a distinction for me about a hobby that you become obsessed by Mm. and being a fan of something which is outside of you, which is, you know, again, not an attempt on my part to try and demean, belittle or diminish because... I I just, I I think you're right. I'm just a bit stuck on this. It's a little bit like, to me, there's a little bit of a line. The thing is, to me, that line between, if you say you're a fan of something, yeah, you're a fan, but the crossover to when you start participating in a, let's say, a a global conversation about it. And the thing about participation, I wonder, does that mean just reading or is it meaning being on, um, as I say, subreddits or um, on social media where, you know, you're using particular hashtags and you're going, and you're part of the yelling. And I'm, there's something, and to me, I don't, I, I struggle to understand that. And yet I also think it's exactly the same thing in the sense, uh, in terms of what I was talking about in relation to sports, in the sense about it being tied to what I think the world is and how I participate or how I am in the world and who I am in this world. And when someone or someone, when someone or something does, does something to, um, to just tear at that understanding, it's, by and large, traumatic. For example, if, if a, you know, a sports team I follow loses in a particularly bad way, I feel those feelings, right? As if they've screwed up the script, that someone has done something on that script to just totally mess it up and it shouldn't have happened like that. And that's interesting because what it does is it, it, it informs discourse, doesn't it? People who are happy don't take the time to give five-star reviews. But people who are unhappy will say... Don't shop here. Don't eat here. One star. Awful service. Because it's like that's a, that's a more powerful motor than to go, oh, I had a nice time. It was great. So back, back to bestiality. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of The 14 Times, which is a magazine, uh, which has a bit in it each month about weird ways that people had died. There was a guy who's having an affair with another guy's wife, and this other guy came round to shoot him, and uh-huh. he fired at him, but he he missed him and, and hit the tree next to his house, um, and the guy got arrested and put away for attempted murder. Thirty years pass, the tree gets really kind of crazy and out of control and needs to be uh, needs to be felled, and uh, <laughs> a tree surgeon comes round with um with a, a chainsaw and starts to saw the tree down and his chainsaw hits the bullet that's embedded in the tree trunk and it flicks it out and it hits the guy who was the original target of the bullet and kills him. No, this is not possible. That is not 
possible. This is the story that was in in the fourteen times. What is the name of this magazine? Because it's this sounds like. <laughs> Fortean times. It's the st- it's stories. It's strange stories. Like so, it will have Fortean. F O R T E A N. It's named after Charles Fort, who was an interested in the occult and interested in the mystic arts, and and so he 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 was interested in cryptozoology and the idea of you know Bigfoot and all of that sort of stuff. And um and this magazine holds his name, the Fortean Times, and it does have this kind of yeah this weird weird ways of of dying and and another one was a guy squashed by a boulder in a quarry um and when the boulder uh was taken off him <laughs> there was a <clears throat> there was a chicken impaled on him as well the chicken had also died in the cave in at the quarry so he'd gone to the quarry with his paramour who was a chicken <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just a <laughs> I think I can imagine that the subscriptions to the Fortean Times are just going to have this this this, this midlifing bump as a result of today's conversation. <laughs> Woof! <laughs> yeah, through the roof. <laughs> through the roof. Through the roof.